0: We continue in our series of sermons on the prayers of the saints following the pattern that Jesus has given to us in the Lord's Prayer, which is the disciples' prayer. And we consider this morning the first petition and our Heidelberg Catechism, uh, a translation of which is printed in the insert in your bulletin, Uh, gives us some comments about what the first petition means, the first petition, which is hallowed be your name. And that is, grant us first of all that we may rightly know you and sanctify, glorify, and praise you in all your works in which shine forth your almighty power, wisdom, goodness, righteousness, mercy, and truth. Grant us also that we may so direct our whole life, our thoughts, words, and actions, that your name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. There's a summary explanation of what the first petition is, hallowed be your name, rightly to know God and to live according to that knowledge in holiness that his name might not be blasphemed by us, but known by us, and he himself as the God who is holy. So we're considering prayer, and now this first petition, but just to remind you that prayer is such a wonderful gift. Why don't we open it so much? Why don't we really pray so much? That's the question of the ages, the question of my life, and I wonder if it's in your life, too. Why don't I pray enough or fervently enough or often enough or with regard to all the particulars of my life about which I seem more content to worry than to pray? Why don't we? It's such a wonderful gift And by prayer, we know all the blessedness of being a Christian and the praiseworthiness of God. Why would we leave off this? Last time, and in I think a couple of sermons before, in an introductory sermon, we said especially when we're given Jesus and to pray in His name, why wouldn't we pray why wouldn't we pray just as God has said and just as the Apostle says in God through him without ceasing? Why not? Because in the name of Jesus, we're given to pray to God and then we, we know we can come to him. We know he's our Father in heaven. For in the name of Jesus, we come, meaning we're connected with Jesus. That's what that means. That's what this whole series of sermons is about. Connected with Jesus, we come in the name of Jesus to God. And we pray to God and we live out of our life for God. The name of Jesus is everything. As we saw last time, we draw near to God in the name of Jesus in connection with Him, who is the fulfillment of all of the types and shadows, Hebrews tells us the prophets and priests and kings, and he's the real one. He's the real Messiah to which all of those picture officers and and happenings and the blood of bulls and goats pointed. By Jesus, we have access to God. We draw near to him. And this is what that first part of the prayer means. We can call God our Father in heaven and draw near to him in the name of Jesus. And now hallowed be thy name. We're in the name of Jesus praying, and here we have right away the first petition. Hallowed be your name. Jesus says, make sure that's the first petition. Before you get to your bread that you need, and <coughs> excuse me, the forgiveness you need. And certainly before the amen, make this your first petition. Before this, we want to be guided into the great diversity and unity of the Scripture in the Old Testament at this time, and by reading a psalm, Psalm 135, and if you can take your Bibles with me, because it's all about the name, and it's all about hallowing the name of God. Isn't that funny how the Bible speaks of one thing, really, all over the place in different ways? and in these last days, especially in that communication of Christ. But here, typified and, and embellished upon in Psalm 135, where you have a people standing in the house of God, and they're hallowing the name of God, just like we are today. Let's read this. Psalm 135, praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, O you servants of the Lord, you who stand in the house of the Lord. In the courts of the house of our God, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is pleasant. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. For I know that the Lord is great, and our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and in earth, in the seas and in all deep places. He causes the vapors to ascend From the ends of the earth, he makes lightning for the rain. He brings the wind out of his treasuries. He destroyed the firstborn of Egypt, both of man and beast. He sent signs and wonders into the midst of you, O Egypt, upon Pharaoh and all his servants. He defeated many nations and slew mighty kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kingdoms of Canaan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, His people, your name, O Lord, endures forever. Your fame, O Lord, throughout all generations. For the Lord will judge his people and he will have compassion on his servants. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the works of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. Bless the Lord, O house of Israel. Bless the Lord, O house of Aaron. Bless the Lord, O house of Levi. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord out of Zion, who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. And thus far we read the sacred word, may the reading of it be for our own response of faith and of holiness. God has spoken and he would speak now in the preaching. We want to consider the first petition and and that first petition, hallowed be thy name, and to this theme, the broader theme, in my name, we're going to be referring to the name Jesus and praying in his name, but with this theme, in-house hallowing. We have in Psalm 135 people in the house of the Lord, blessing the name of the Lord. And we are, by God's grace, in this house, this church, blessing the name of the Lord. That's what hallowing is all about. The first... Inclination we might have in interpreting that first petition of hallowing the name of God when Jesus says, hallowed be your name, is to say that this is a declaration. And that's all. And we'd forget that it's a prayer. But behind the prayer is certainly a declaration of truth behind the prayer and before the prayer even, that we say, Lord, hallowed be your name by us and in all the world is this truth. God's name is hallowed. It is praiseworthy in all the world. Behind the be, the subjunctive, the the hortatory, the, the, the call, as we say in grammar, to prayer, may we pray, there's an is we're praying for something that's true and will be true and needs to be true if we would glorify God. We want to get in and this glorifying God work. The underlying truth is God is holy. His name is hallowed, and that's what hallowed means. It's simply an old English word for sanctified or holy be your name. And when we're praying this, as Jesus teaches us, this is our first petition, it's because there's an is behind the ought to be, and that is God is holy. He is holy. We're simply reflecting God's own being and that we've been near to the being of God. We draw near. Remember, we are drawing near to God. And we want Him to be who He is always. Our sin is always saying, I don't want God to be who he is. I don't like how God made me. I don't like God, how God is, that he would make me this way. Or I don't like my circumstances, but holiness is recognizing what is and who God is. He's holy. And his name is holy. Now, the name in the Bible... And we've considered this in the prayer not to take the name of God in vain. The name simply is the revelation of who God is. That's a definition, really. God is His name. And that's why the psalmist in Psalm 135 says, we're to sing praises to His name for it is present And we're reflecting the fact, therefore, that we know something of God in the name. His name is pleasant because God is pleasant, and above that, He is good. He is good. He is God, and God in His goodness, and His goodness is divine, and He is God and perfect in every aspect of His being. And the name is given by God, His name in this earth, so we can know him. The heavens declare the glory of God. His name in all the earth is known, the psalmist says. His name, his identity, the light that it is, the glory of himself. Names are like the glorious rays of the sun shining forth from the sun, The sun were given to see, not in itself, our eyes would burn up, but in its rays that God has designed to make it here, not to kill us, but to give us light and life-sustaining place to live. God's name is given that way. We can't really know God as he knows himself, but we can know him really, I. The lie of modern theology is we can know God, but not really. We know God really, but not fully. He's incomprehensible, to be sure. Job will even say, who can know him? And any humble man will say that. Can't drink the depths of God, know the heights of God. But God is, though incomprehensible, beyond us, always a step beyond, always a God beyond us humans, yet He's knowable. And this is the wonderful wonder of the name that He gives, whereby He might be known and worshipped. In Genesis 4, I believe it's verse 26, after a while, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And there was this, institution almost of this thing called worship that people would do together and calling upon the name of the Lord they'd call upon the Lord of the name they'd go to the God of the name they'd recognize that God is his names revealed not like ours just merely distinguish us from one another of a human being but God's name reveals him to be distinguished from any other God any other fake thing that even might go by the name of God. As the psalmist says here in Psalm 135, in the house of the Lord, we're praising the Lord and His name, Jehovah, because He alone is God and the idols that people make and say are gods and to which they bow, they're not God. They're only constructs of human handiwork and mental work and worship as they worship idols. But God, He's the uncreated God, and He's given us this singular name whereby He might be known. In all the earth, God's name is known so that He is known and as God and to be worshipped. Romans 1 tells us of the natural light that the heathen have so that they're without excuse. The revelation of God is clear enough so that people are judged for what they know. But now there's a special place where God has revealed Himself in a special way with a special name. That's the house of God, the house of God. I hope you saw the connection between the name of the Lord and the servants of the Lord The servants of the Lord, and that's Jehovah, capitals, L-O-R-D. The name of God used, I think, 7,000 times in the Hebrew Bible. The name, par excellence, by which Israel knew God. That name is connected with servants who are his servants, who stand in his house, the house of the Lord, and who praise him, which is to hallow him to honor Him, first thing. Well, that means, must be that the name of the Lord is known in a special way by them or and or that that name of the Lord knows them in a special way that Lord of the name knows them in a special way. And I say in a special way because not everywhere is the house of the Lord. Psalm 135 is the psalm of Israel, a psalm of the people whom God had made to be special, to be different from all the houses of humanity which were stuck on not the name of the Lord, but the name of man. See, this petition of Jesus, which he says we are to pray and to pray as God's people in his name, is given peculiarly to God's people who have his name on them, who are his, who are saved by him from the rest of this planet, which is lost in the worship of idols, the principle of which is man himself. Genesis chapter 11 speaks of that first house of man, the first society issuing forth from the sinners who still were around and after the generations after the flood itself showed that they were dead set against God. That's the Babylonian society, the Tower of Babel. don't have time to read that. You should look at that. The making of the Tower of Babel was made in rebellion against God. God had said, fill the world. They said, no, we're going to stop here. It's safer here. And we're together here. And we can pull our resources together here so that the commandment of God, we're we're not going to listen to that, and that His name might be known in all the earth. Instead, they built this place called Babel, and from which all of the Babylonian societies, literally Babylon, issuing in the great whore of the end of time, Babylon, the mother of harlots, have had their description and their goal, and that was that they were all about making a name of man. Let us make a name for ourselves here. That's what they said. Nuts! And worse, to the name of God. Cursed be that name! How dare he reveal himself as this God who's more than our therapist. He's our Lord. How dare God do that? That's what man does. That's what sinners do. And they're doing it today. We don't want anyone to speak of a God who has claims on us. Ignored be His name, they're saying. His name is declared in all the earth, and especially, though, when it comes to praying in His name, silence the prayer. When it comes to preaching His name and His claims and His glory, silence the preaching. But God had and God has people who still take His name seriously, reverently, and intimately, because that name is Jesus. God has revealed his name to us, and his name above every name is Jesus, the saving name of God. And he's made people, he's called an Abraham, that's the end of Genesis 11, out of the Babylonian society, out of the Babel, out of the confusion of men to be his child and then Abraham's seed to be Israel And we all by faith to be Abraham's seed in the New Testament, Galatians. So we can be all about this, standing in the house of the Lord, praising his name, praying at the death of a loved one or at the sickbed of a loved one in the name of God, knowing the name Jesus knowing that God has sent not merely signs and wonders to deliver from Egypt and slain a Passover lamb so that the firstborn of Egypt would be destroyed, but not the people of God. God has sent Jesus, pictured in those signs and wonders and in that Passover lamb, and his deliverance from sin, pictured only in the deliverance from Babylon and from Egypt And from the Canaanites, we know Jesus, God's word, name, spoken in these latter days as the most precious name of God. The great revelation of the glory of God. Don't you know... (coughs) Whom to behold is to behold the Father. Whom to know is to know the Father. Whom to come to is to come to God. We follow, we who are made servants of the Lord, we follow his example. I'm leading into my second point here about this what is first in our life, we follow the example of Jesus striking. You know, he's the name of God. But in his human nature, Jesus would glorify God's name. Look, in John 17, Jesus Christ takes the lead in the Lord's Prayer, (laughs) How this works, I don't know, beloved. Just before he goes to the cross, he's not concerned about being relieved of that mission, concerned about the pain. His prayer has been answered in the garden. But he speaks up, he speaks and he lifts his eyes to heaven. He says, Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you've given me, and now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself and with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Then, verse 6, I've manifested your name to the men whom you've given me out of the world. He's shown the name, the identity of God, and he's praying that there would be a hallowing, a a holy setting apart of that name in his disciples now. That they would follow his example, having been forgiven all their sins on the cross and constituted as his people May they now be in the earth. The grace people of God to praise God and tell the world there's a God who's above, who's come to be with us. Won't you know his name? Won't you know him personally? And then bow before him with us In the name of Jesus. Well, I tell you, beloved, confession time, I'm not so good at that. Making a priority, as Jesus says we must, that the name of God be hallowed. I like the fact that God has known me by name. As the good shepherd, he knows his sheep by name hope you love that. But that's one thing, and having Jesus as Savior is one thing. That's a good things for us, right? We're forgiven, we're set free to, on a mission, given a house of God. But then the lordship thing, and the hallowing of the name of God, I, that's not my flesh, Go back to Babel, the society of men that was spawned there, though they be all set in confusion under the judgment of God. Yet, they're all really united, you know, and that's what's scary about this world in which we live. It's progressing in sin, subtly. There's all these people different from one another and fighting and bickering, but you can just see How Antichrist is rearing his ugly head and laying down his roots in in the the politics and the governments of the world, not only but also in the church, which is deceived and being deceived. So there's this great power of sword, government, and religion from the church that this Antichrist is going to take to himself. And unite, therefore, all that men hold dearly, false religion, a little bit of religion, and great power to get us fed and to deliver us from poverty and wars. There's another name, you know, going around. Not Christ, but Antichrist. Jesus says of that, watch out, end of time, people are going to say, lo, there is Christ. There's Christ, there's Christ, that church down the road because they've got 25,000 people that meet every day. That must be where Christ is. And that gospel, what Christ loves, even though people go in the front door and next week they're out the back door. We live in that world. Tonight's sermon is all about denying self. And taking up the cross, very similar to this, the first petition, and the struggle. We are to pray, hallowed be the name of God. God's name is hallowed, but as our catechism says, we want in on it too. We want to be a part of the divine thing, the divine will of God. Lord, may I hallow your name. May I know you and then act accordingly. And yet there's that flesh, isn't there? That Babel that says, name for myself, name for myself. Like these constant, these people constantly taking selfies and making selfies of this sinful self. Put it all together you got a selfish church and you got a, a selfish family and you got a selfish consistory and you got a selfish college of of those who are supposed to be men of the cloth and men of the name Hallowed be your name it's unnatural there are four places in the bible that speak this same language of hallowing the name of God. Someone has pointed this out to me. I want to share it with you. It tells us how, and we'll lead into the answer. Four places in the Bible where that name, that rather unusual name or verb hallowed is used in the Old Testament, uh, which means basically sanctify or set apart the name of God. I think it's in the details here that we can be edified and, and for our living. The first place I would turn with you is to Numbers chapter 12, and there was a problem with Moses. And verses, uh, sh- sorry, Numbers chapter 20 and verse 12. Moses, remember, was told to speak to the rock and, and so that out of it would come this, uh, uh, this uh, water, or you know, he, sp- he was told to take the rod, not to speak to the rock. Um, No, he was told to do both. He was to take the rock and to speak to the rock, but not as he did. He took the rod and he yelled at the people of God. Moses and Aaron, the assembly, gathered together. God had said, now you you provide for them water. And they were before that rock, and the people had been complaining, and Moses tells it like it is, really. He calls them who they were. Hear now, you rebels. I wonder if he went on and on. Cuz we often do that, don't we? We we get on a roll. Rebels, idiots, fools No end when the the floodgates are opened of our vitriol and complaining about God and about one another. But here now you rebels, that's what we have recorded. Must we fetch You water or bring water for you out of this rock. He lifted up his hand and he struck the rock twice. That was the problem. He yelled at them and he did more than God said. He struck the rock twice. Water came out. The congregation, their animals drink. They're happy. God's not. Here's why. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given you. Here's The problem with Moses, he did not hallow the name of God, which is set it apart, which is reveal it to be as the holy name it is, because I'm the holy God who is. How did Moses not hallow the name of God? Well, he took what he thought was the behalf of God, the the, the place of God, and showed the anger of God at this time. And he showed something that was only half true, the sinful state of the people of God. But the truth was, God is God. God had said, just speak to the rock and then, and then hit it once and have, be calm about this because I'm providing for the people of God. And you, Moses, don't take it in your craw to be my representative as judge and, and lay into the people. No. Because the fact is, Israel, yes, by nature, was rebellious. But by grace, they were gods. So, rebels is half the truth. It's not even the real thing of Israel, the heart of hearts, the status of statuses. They're guilty is charged here for complaining. But there's no condemnation to those who are loved of God. And Moses forgot, you see, the name Jesus here. God is the Savior of Israel. So there's one place. And Moses is told here what it would have been necessary for him to hallow him. And that's belief. And that's where we get, this is where we're leading to practical things here. Verse 12, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children, therefore you can't take the promised land. You can't go in. You didn't believe. That's what is necessary for us. If you would hallow the name of God, well, believe him. Believe his name. Rise up from the world and your circumstances and even in the hospital bed and even at the grave and and even in all of these tough times. And believe the God who's not seen, but who's revealed in his word and in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, believe him. Isaiah 8, here's another time, four times. This is number two, Isaiah chapter 8 and verses 12 and 13. in so Numbers 20, Isaiah chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. Do not say, says the Lord, a conspiracy concerning all that this people call a conspiracy. Do not, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of hosts, Him you shall hallow. There's the word. His name you shall set apart. Let him be your fear, let him be your dread, and so on. The idea here is that that word, him you shall hallow, is used in the context of fearing God. So believing God was something Moses forgot to do. Fearing God is something that the people here through Isaiah are called to do, and not, note here the context, fearing men. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. And I want us to pause here and to think about how often, as we're called to be Christians in this world, in this public place called the world, we hide the name of God and hide our identity as Christians because we're afraid. Don't know about you, but your pastor, I... It's not about you're following me, that's a good thing. It's about your following God through this ministry. I'm afraid so often, and I just shut up. Or I run away and, and don't confront the fools, or love the fools enough, because I love God enough, to witness to them of the truth of God. Fear God, Isaiah says, Tremble, because he's he's great and greatly to be praised. You who stand in the house of God, who are Christians, believe God, fear God, reverence him. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Third, Leviticus 22. Two places in Leviticus here Leviticus 22, verses 31 and 32. Israel is called here to be holy. Leviticus 22, 31 and 32. Therefore you shall keep my commandments and perform them. I am the Lord. You shall not profane my holy name. You shall hallow it. But I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you, who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Here you have, did you guess it? the hallowing of God's name, the not profaning of His holy name among the children of Israel through their, what? Obedience. Therefore you shall keep my commandments and perform them. I am the Lord, because in this way you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be hallowed in your obedience, in your holiness among the children of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Obedience. As Our catechism reminds us, we are praying when we say, hallowed be thy name, that God would grant us that we might direct our whole life and our thoughts and our words and our actions, that our name is not blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. Oh, beloved, being believers, being God-fearers is being doers of the word. Being reformed who know its salvation is of the Lord and of, of grace alone doesn't mean there's nothing to do in response to God's grace. There's many things to do, holy things to do because of the holy name of God in Jesus revealed. One more passage, Leviticus 10 and verse 3. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy, and before all the people, I must be glorified. And the connection here between God being regarded as holy, his name being hallowed, and the glorification of God is, is very clear. So that's the fourth thing, the glorification of God which means the glorification not of men nor of you, nor of our church, nor of your home, nor of your wealth, your popularity. So faith in God, the fear of God, the obedience to his commandments and the glorification of God. Four places that the hallowing of the name of God is brought out in the Old Testament. The setting apart of our God. Somehow, especially in the house of God, that comes together, is brought together by the name Jesus, that prays, hallowed be God's name, in the name of Jesus, special things happen here. But then, beloved, more than that, and this is the final thought here, is prayer affects all of our life, affects all of our life, and and that's the way it should be. Jesus is praying here, or leading us to pray the first petition. And really, beloved, it's to, it's to guide the rest of the petitions. Like kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and the declarations at the end and the amen. It all comes from the first one. It's to sanctify is the first petition. Hallowed be your name, all the prayers in all of your life because it's the principal thing. We're here to glorify God in believing Him, fearing Him, obeying Him, glorifying Him. And that means, don't forgive me, Lord, except you glorify your name. Ever pray that? In forgiving me, glorify your name. That's, that's how you pray. In giving me bread, give me just enough and just the right time and not too much and not too little that your name be hallowed. See, it regulates everything in how we look at people and how we look at ourselves and look at our circumstances. Glorify the name of God. You can do that, beloved. Then it's not just going to be about you and me and even this house. The in-house prayer and service of God and glorification of, of God is to fill all the earth. God's people from every nation, tribe, and tongue. That's how this results. This prayer, hallowed be the name of God, is, is missional. It reminds us that it's not just about us in our little house and we get to glorify God. No, God has people all over the place who aren't yet in the house. He's chosen them, though, and Jesus died for them. Now, hallowed be thy name, is this desire that God be magnified in every place, in all the dark places, so that every one of God's people is brought into the house, the true church of Christ in all the world, to join with us for the magnification of the name of God, so that... As the waters cover the sea, the knowledge of God covers the earth, and the hallowing goes on. May it be so. Hallowed be Jehovah's name. Amen. We pray, Father, you would bless us, and hallowed be your name. Through the result of sermons, through the result of hearing, in the power of the word of God, keep us, Lord, from evil. All evil we hate. We pray, Father, sanctify us to give honor to you in that precious name, Jesus. Hear our prayers. We may go forth into all the world as we go forth into our little world. And as you send forth your men to be preachers of the word of God and to gather the flock for which Jesus laid down his life. Amen.